This is the Courier Talking Football. I'm Eric Nicholson and with me this week are Jim Spence and Ian Roach. Well gentlemen, if you can mark podcasts in red pen, I think we should get the red pen out for this one. <laughs> we should enjoy this, eh? Two teams played, two wins and both at very, very tough venues. So, listen, you could you could make a case for starting with either, but I think we'll, we'll start with United because we started off with Saints last week, didn't we? But Ian, was it uh, you were up at Dingwall? Was it another Mickey Mellon masterclass? Yeah, it was. Um, it really, really was. And... I've said before how when you get the team sheet and it doesn't have Shankland on it, you, you, you know you do get a bit concerned. But when he now that we're going into matches, you, you always you're beginning to think that Mellon's got a way of getting through things, and he's he's taking gambles. He's, he's I mean he might not think it's a gamble, but he's putting Kieran uh, Freeman out on the right right back for his debut. Up at up at Dingwall, yeah. you know, it's a tough place. I mean, we had we had we had Ross County. Ross County were going great. There was talk of them going top of the league for a few hours, you know, until Hibs played. Um, but of course, United United are, are now level with them. So it was it was actually a, a Mickey Mellon masterclass, and it's hugely encouraging. Um, what he's doing is he's making decisions. He's he's getting them right now. I think sometimes you can have luck rather than mm-hmm. than by design as a manager. But for him to bring on uh, Cammy Smith and Nicky Clark and for the the, the the winning goal to work like that, yeah. you have to say, even if you're kind of you know wanting to be uh, not generous to 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 Mellon, you have to say, look, what a what a move that was for a manager. So everything worked out perfectly for him on, on Saturday. And when he did, when he did bring them on, Ian, was it a game that it, it, was it looking like a draw with one of the teams in the ascendancy? Was no, it a, not. A, well, I, th- I think United were looking were looking sprightly. What he's got is he's got them fit. We might touch on that later on. But they run right to the end of the match, and you had breaks up. Bolton was right through. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, really, he, he had a good he had a really good game. Look, Bolton. Things like Adrian Sporrell. Adrian Sporrell came in at, at left back. He he was arguably man of the match. He really had a terrific performance. So when he's having to bring, you know, a, a player in because of injuries, it's working. Mm-hmm. Now you could say, well, he's he's been fortunate in that case, but he's he's the man that's that's making these decisions. He's picking these the personnel. So you you have to say congratulations to him because it was a it was an excellent United performance up there. It really was. And they were without a, a chunk of their their first team squad because of injuries. Jim, I mean, when you saw the the team lines, did you? I mean, I saw them when I was down at Kilmarnock for the Saints game. I'm not saying I, I feared for United, but I, I, I certainly thought, oh, this is a tough, tough task they've got there. Did you feel the same? Well, I mean, I, I, I think you know. F- firstly, Ian Ian's spot on. I mean, they're missing what Liam Smith, Jamie Robson, Ryan Edwards, uh, Paul McMullen, mm-hmm. Lauren Shankly, five, five. You know, four of whom would be stick-ons. You know, so um, you know when when you see the team coming out, you look at you know young Freeman uh, at full back. You know, and you're Logan, Logan Chalmers out kind of wide in the left, and and the newness about the side as well. You know, Bolton, who's just in, who by the way is just looking an absolute star with the pace and intelligence that he's shown. You, you you do have a sense of not trepidation, but a sense of slight concern. But I have to say, like I'm in I'm in Ian's camp. I'm, you know, I mean, these are early days, and we've all been here as football journalists over a long, long period in the game with managers who come in and, and, and get that wonderfully bright start. But there does seem to be something really quite special 
about what's going on with Mickey Mellon. He, you know what I like? He's not understated in any way. Bit like, bit like yourself, Jim. <laughs> yeah, bit like myself. No, this is Dundee United you're playing for, guys. There's actually, there's quite there's quite a weight of expectation here and I expect you to live up to it, you know? Um, and I think that's important, you know? There's been a sense about Tannadice, a sense of drift for a while. And even under Robbie Nielsen, although he did very well and the club were going to come up probably automatically despite what all, all of the stuff that happened, there, there was never a sense that United were quite kind of the the force that maybe some people hoped and expected they would be. But I think, you know, the, the, the level of confidence that seems to be oozing through the place now <clears throat> and the level of kind of just, in you know, inward self-respect, players having a self-respect for themselves and the club, I think is fantastic. So, you know, when you see young guys like Freeman and Chalmers uh, and, and you look at <clears throat> you know, what's on the bench, you think to yourself, this is a club that kind of knows and senses it's going places. So, you know, did I have a um, a sense of concern? No, no, not really. I knew it was going to be a very, very difficult, you know, venue. I mean, it always is in Dingwall, but it's a terrific result. And, you know, I mean, bluntly, had somebody said to, you know, Arabs at the start of the season, uh, after four games, you'll be sitting, you know, joint top with Ross County behind Rangers and Hibsfield joint top. They would have, uh, in the proverbial, bitten your hand off for it. So, I mean, it has been a, a terrific, terrific start, albeit with a, a really testing one to come of the weekend against Celtic. So it's been a great start. And I think the United players and the manager have stepped up to the plate remarkably well. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised by the by the points they've got. I think I think I, I predicted that they would get off to a, a fast start, just being the promoted team. But I am if you told me the injuries they would have mm-hmm. and all the, all the rest of it, I'm 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 surprised that they've <laughs> they've done it in those circumstances. If you see what I mean, I mean, so it's only fair we've not had the opportunity to really to speak about about Sporrell in in much depth because he's he, let's let's be blunt about it. He's not been a first team regular since he since he came across Ian. But what impressed you about his performance on Saturday? Well, he was good defensively as well, but also uh, as a feature of his game, he does like a a shot from outside the box, um, and and it was his his strike that kind of led yeah, to yeah. Peter Paul. It's equaliser, absolutely crucial part of the game um, because County were getting chances. Uh, they must missed a, a, a sitter just before that. So his his ability, his uh, sorry willingness to get to get forward all the time. He was he was terrific. He was attacking, but he also helped make the what, what went back to being a back four. Mm-hmm. Um, he made that solid again. And it was a it was a textbook thing from United. It really was a performance. It was really good. He gives balance there, um, but he's got he's got what the kind of technique that you would expect from a, a South Ameri- a South American player. But he's he fits into the group, you know. Uh, he, he's not a he's, he's no fancy in things. He, he he mucks in, and uh, I, 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 he really stood out. He really did. Um, he was playing up obviously the. Going up the flank all the time, but also cutting inside, covering. He just, he just really had a very assured performance for someone as we, as you quite rightly pointed out. He hasn't had too many, too many chances. But I, I thought at the start of the season, and Jamie Robson has started the season very well. Uh, it's a shame for him that he got, he got that terrible head knock. But I thought of all the United players, the 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 one with the most dangerous deputy, as it were, yeah. was was uh, was Robson mm. with Sporrell in there yeah, because yeah. he can come in, he can come in and look really look a part of the side. Interesting now, Jim, because you'll rem- you'll remember we'll keep referring back to this. The, you know the podcast we did with Matt Matt Jones from Tranmere, and yeah. he said that a big thing about about Mickey Mellon, and he's been right on a few things so far, but a big thing was that if somebody comes in and does very well and there's no reason, you know, no particularly 
you know, a tactical reason to to change things, he'll stick with them. So, you know, it's a big ask to, to stick with him, I suppose, for uh, for the game that's coming up, but it wouldn't shock you, would it? Well, I mean, he, he, the, the, the thing is with a manager and coaching staff, Eric, is they all, you know, we, we're fortunate in the respect that we get greater access to teams, to players and managers than, than, than the fans do. Um, but similarly, there, there are still lots of things that we don't see that we don't have access to. We don't have access to the internal workings, the dressing room, the internal mindset, the, the body language that the manager picks up. But crucially, what we don't see is the hour and a half, two hours of training every day and the impression that that's making and, and the general kind of, the general, um, you know, work rate and all the rest of, it, of players. Now, these are all the things I think that are, that are crucial in picking your side. You know, as you're watching a young guy maturing, something's maybe very, very quickly indeed. So all of that goes through a manager's mind. But I think the thing is here that, you know, we're talking about the likes of Sp- Sport. What's Sport? Sport's 25 now. He's no kid anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, no. He's watching, you know, youngsters like, like Logan Chalmers in front of him emerging, Kieran Freeman, you know, at the other side uh, emerging. All of a sudden, um, as a professional football player, the thing that, that lifts you more than anything else apart from being in a winning side, is the prospect of competition for your places. Now, when that's you know when that's thriving, uh, when that's happening at a club, that's good. And you look at the bench, a lot of young kids there, but all of a sudden the more experienced members or the relatively experienced members know that, well, hang on a second, we've got a manager now who's actually quite prepared to give young boys a chance. Mm-hmm. And, and that lifts you, it lifts the young boys, and it's, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So there is now nothing, I think, that would surprise me, even this early on with Mickey Mellon, there's nothing that would surprise me at all. He has confidence in his players and he's got confidence in his own ability. He's, you know, he's he's new to the Scottish game in the respect that it's the first Scottish club he's managed, but he's you know he's not some kind of wet behind the ears. He's got a, a vast amount of experience uh, in English football. And it would be, you know, it, it would be disdainful of anybody to say that was Tranmere. Well, I mean, the English game is a strong game. You know, I got no time for this stuff about we hear the stuff about the premiership is overrated. The English game is strong in depth mm-hmm. all the way mm-hmm. through. You know, clubs like Tranmere will play to bigger crowds in Dundee every week. You know, I mean there are a lot of a lot of big, decent clubs, there are a lot of good players, as we'll find out probably when he further raids the you know the market down there. So um, nothing would surprise me uh, in terms of how he goes about setting a team. I think he thinks he has the mindset of a boy is good enough, if he's showing it in training, he will stick with him, he will play him, and if he does well you'll keep him in the team. So, you know, the, the, no, I mean, I, I don't think there are any surprises to come from Mickey Mellon. It's been a terrific start for him. Yeah, and on the other side of the pitch, Ian, you mentioned him, Kieran Freeman. He's a, a name that I've kind of followed for a good few years since I, I wrote a story about him going down to going down to Manchester United regularly. You know, he was he was thought of as one of the best players in his, in his age group. And, you know, he had a bad injury, at least one bad injury when he was down at Southampton. But... You always think the pedigree's there. You know, that's obviously, you know, careers can go different directions after, you know, when you're you're mm-hmm. highly rated at, at that age group. But I always like the fact that he, he'll have had a very, very good grounding. And did, did that show in, his, in the way he carried himself on the pitch, Ian? Yeah, overall, yeah. I mean, there were times, he, he did struggle at times. He had he was up against a big uh, Ross Stewart. So oh, well, there you go. Very, very one, of the hard, one of the hardest gigs. Well, the exactly. Season, and, that, isn't and Stewart, Stewart got himself into good positions. Um, he must have missed some chances. So there was that. But I think overall... Overall, he, he did very well. Goodness me, it's his debut thrown in like that. A, 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 a important game for United, a hugely important game for United. And uh, he, he, he did himself proud. He did the club proud. Um, Mellon was very happy with him. And that's what you want, isn't it? That's all you need is a player. You come off, your manager gives you the, 
the high five yeah. or the socially distanced <laughs> the elbow punch or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. So um aye, so that happened. That happened as he came off. He came off as a sub later on. Uh, it must be noted to for for uh, young Lewis Nielsen to come uh-huh. on there. So it's uh, you know it's young young player for young player. So no, he did he did fine overall, and his manager was happy with him. And sometimes you see, you do you see these cha- these uh, these little sort of switches in the pecking order over a summer. Could I remember we'll speak about St Johnson lately, but I remember uh, last summer when Tommy Wright was still there, and I'm I'm gonna I'm just going on to speak about Logan Chalmers. When Tommy Wright was was there, he had uh, there was Ali McCann and. Well, the who's the um, Kyle McLean, mm-hmm. two young yeah. two young midfielders, two young central midfielders. Both had been out, out on loan. Ali McCann at Stranraer and Kyle McLean at uh, Linfield, mm-hmm. and there was a space left for for one, you know, kind of to vie for the central midfield position. I think most people thought it would be Kyle McLean. Mm. Ali McCann mm-hmm. had the better preseason, gets his game at Celtic Park, never looked back. At Tannadice, has there been a wee bit of a switch from maybe what you might have thought? going into the season or even into pre-season regarding Logan Chalmers and Declan Glass? No, I mean, I, I, I think I'm a great believer, uh, Eric, that in the game, I mean, you know, we know that some players get kind of bad luck, broken leg, broken, mm-hmm. you know, ankle, tight ham, whatever. I mean, sometimes there are things beyond your control. But all other things being equal, I think, you know, this this is where, you know, the likes of pre-season at United, a new manager coming in, this is where you find out so much about the mentality uh, and the approach of, of young players, and and I don't think in the professional game, you know, I, I you know we were all brought up, we were all boys. It could have, I could have been, you know, I know a boy it could have been. Truth of the matter is, none of us were. The guys that are at professional football clubs are there for a reason. They've got the ability, they've got the mentality, they've got the attitude. Sometimes they've got all three, you know. Um, I think <clears throat> what's happened quite simply is that people have stepped up to the plate. They have grasped their chance. Manager has seen that. He's looked. He's what you know. He, he he knows the attitude. He knows the mentality now of players. There'll be plenty more to test during the course of the season. I mean, it's very early days yet, but I think that's 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 what defines. So the weekend and nibbles around about the edges. You're looking. You're deciding maybe who to go with, who is going to feature, which young guys are going to feature in the first team squad, which ones maybe need another kind of three or four months, kind of you know, with the twenty ones or whatever. I think that you know guys are there on merit. Chambers is there on merit. Freeman's there on merit. Um, because they have, you know, they have got the right mentality. They have got the right attitude. They are good, really good professionals. And I think you're starting to see that seeping through, um, you know, the, the, the entire side now. You know, I mean, you you kind of know that that will give lift itself to the guys that are, you know, you've got people like young Chris Mockery uh, on the benches. Well, you start to wonder, I must have admitted a wee bit about guys that have been out on loan, like Declan Glass. He's going to have to kind of, you know, uh, maybe up his game and all the rest. And that's what I'm saying about competition. So I think, you know, that that kind of, you know, the St. John's one's a good analogy because Ali, Ali McCann, you know, for people like me that saw Saints occasionally, but not all the time, Ali McCann suddenly one day was there and a fixture. And, and you know, obviously uh, it didn't just happen. Tommy had watched him coming through, watched his development, saw something special by comparison to the guy that, uh, you know, that, that, it was fighting it out with them. And I think that's that'll be what's happened at Tannadice. Melvin will have looked. He's seen these guys every single day in training <clears throat> and he knows that the attitude is spot on. So, uh, I mean, it's, again, you know, at the moment, and it is early mm-hmm. days, but at the moment, uh, things have gone really, really well. I mean, Declan Glass, Ian, just has to look at it as, he has to look at it positively and think, look, yeah. others are getting chances. Yeah. I get my head down. If I get mine, I need to take it. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, he ha- he does have the ability. Um, at the risk of this being melon mania um, this early in the season, one thing that the manager is is getting right again is 
making the squad happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the, the guys that aren't getting a chance. And the evidence, again, is there for Milne. You have Nicky Clark. Nicky Clark, you know, who could be expected to be, think he's, he should start up there. Comes off the bench, scores. Cammy Smith, I think one of the players that I think United fans would say maybe never got uh, the breaks under Robbie yeah. Nielsen. He seems happier as well. Mm-hmm. You know, he seems to be part of it. He'd, they'd obviously prefer to be starting the games, but he, they all seem kind of happy there. So I, I think I think Glass will just have to keep working away. Um, we we'll all know the talent he has, and he knows the talent he has as well. So he uh, he'll get his chance. I think it's just I think I think Mellon's just fitting players into the right positions that he feels, and he and he obviously thinks Logan Chalmers is right for mm-hmm. that that kind of left sided slot. Jim, I, I keep I mean every time. I think one of the ones who's there was a few, a lot of them that, and and we still have to say there's not doubts, but they still have to you know prove prove it consistently in the top flight. But there was a lot of them that we were kind of thinking, mm, will they manage to step up? And Harks was definitely one of them, but he's he's consistently performing now. I think that that question mark will be will be away from him in a very in a very near future the one the one frustration i have i've, I've never seen i mean there's good and bad with when you look at this mm-hmm. but i've never seen a, a central midfielder get so many shooting chances on the edge of the box as hearts i mean he seems to get in cracking positions mm-hmm. but he's not converting them is it they're, they're going they're going here there and everywhere that's that's if, if he could all of a sudden you know start becoming a goal scorer midfielder then United are going to make a few quid on him. Yeah, but the, the, the thing is, um, Eric, he's having a bang. And, and I think that's the important thing. And, and it may well be that the goals will come. And if they don't come, if they're flying wide, at least he's having a, he's having a crack. Uh, if they're not flying wide, he's maybe getting a, you know, a rebound, a parry from the keeper or a deflection uh, or whatever, opening chances up for other people. But I mean... Seems to get Hart- a couple of games, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, the, the, the hardest one is really interesting because you know last season, a lot of people said they didn't fancy him. They didn't think he was productive enough and all the rest of it. Now, you know... I, I I kind of, you know, listen, we all like to pride ourselves and think that we can spot a player. I mean, I thought Harks was a player the first, very, first time I saw him. I, mean, I think he's got good touch. He's got great energy. Um, and I think the drive, the drive that he's got, he he's always driving, driving forward mm-hmm. and getting himself into these positions, making good runs, making good angled runs uh, and all the rest of it. And all of a sudden, I mean, you know, if you suddenly look at that that kind of, I mean, they were playing, they went, we were kind of, I think it was a 4-5-1, wasn't it, at the weekend? I mean, from what I could see on, uh, on telly. Um, you know, you've suddenly got Bolton, you've got Harks in there, you've got Pollock in there, you know, in a, a, a midfield kind of triumvirate. All the pace, all the ability to drive and put people on the back foot. Uh, and I think the statistics proved that. I mean, you know, they weren't, they weren't far off 50% in, uh, you know, in, in terms of possession and all the rest of it. But a player like Harks, I think, has just got that. I mean, he, he looks a natural athlete to me. He does. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's got that wonderful kind of fluency about his I play think he looks a better with player with the longer hair as well. <laughs> the longer he? hair. I, I think that's right. I give him that. I give not very kind of uh, uh, gives, yeah. <laughs> gives him an Argentinian flair. Maybe exactly. he's tips from Spoli, exactly. you know. But no, I mean, I, th- I think I mean it's 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 great to see Harks developing. And remember, that's the thing. He's coming from American football, which is different. I certainly wouldn't knock it. I mean, you know, it'd be far be it from us to knock anyone's football anyway. Different type of football. He's getting used to it. And I think that's quite often the problem. People forget players moving to a new environment, new club, different style of football, finding their way within the club and the formation that they're playing at takes a bit of time. I think Harks is developing really, really well. I mean, he's a fine player. Yeah, while we're on Harks, just a, a mention for him for a beautiful defence splitting pass he put through for 
uh, that sent Bolton clear, and I mean that could have that could have tied things up uh-huh. for United. It was a you know there's a lot to his game. I do agree with you uh, with the shooting. He, he pulled one pass when he had time as well, you know. But work on that, and then it's looking it's looking really good good for him. I mean, he's maybe one of these players, not that just played in a certain way for his previous manager. You know, maybe he's, mm-hmm. you know, Mickey Mellon's sort of letting him flourish by, you know, well, letting him bomb forward further well, than... It. Maybe maybe well, Robbie was saying, no, I don't want you going any further than, than Eric, this that, mark in the pitch type it, thing. Eric, that is a really crucial point. And I think we all forget that, whether we're supporters or journalists, we all forget that, that guys go... You know, when when you see a sub coming on and, and you know, and, and, and the coach is standing there with the written instructions and he's going over it mm-hmm. and the guy's ignoring it, obviously, you know, uh, he's going through it. People forget that. Players play to instructions. They're very often told, don't go beyond yeah. that, that line or don't go without that circumstance. Or, the, or they or won't play the next game. You know, you know? Or you won't play the next game. That, that, that's th- Those are the blunt realities. And I think sometimes people forget that, you know, that, that players play to instructions. You know, the days when, you, you know, you, you gave guys, 11 guys a ball and say to them, get out there and enjoy yourself. I mean, that's long, long gone in the professional game. It has been for 20 or 30 years probably, but particularly in a modern game where you've got, you know, statistical analysis, video analysis and you know everything under the sun you know so I think that's that's the truth of the matter and it may well be that you know that, that Mickey Mellon seems to have seen something about Ian Harks which he thinks can flourish with a slightly different uh, role um, that, that he's given him and I mean what, what I've seen so far has impressed me I always felt he was slightly limited perhaps under Robbie Nielsen and that presumably would be the way that Robbie wanted him to play Robbie I think was probably a more defensive minded coach um, uh, now at the moment, I mean, it's horses for courses. I think there have been times when you've looked and you thought United look a wee bit defensive. Other times when they've been able to kind of hit smartly on the counter attack, it'll depend on the opposition they're playing. But no, I mean, I think that that's a really good point that, that players play to instructions. Very easy to look and say he's not doing X, Y, Z. That may well and probably is because he's been commanded yeah. not to by the manager. And just to, to wrap up Saturday's game, Ian, and it's, it's, I'm maybe asking you an unfair question here, but you know, you can. You, because it's, to, it's a real hypothetical one, but did did it, did it have the feel of a game that maybe United wouldn't have wouldn't have won? But you know, had it been a had it been Robbie in charge, you know, do you think Robbie would have settled for the settled for the draw and maybe you know and seen been content to see it out of that? Or is that an unf- is that an unfair question? No, it's not unfair. Uh, as, so, as someone who really liked uh, Robbie as a as a person, um, um, y- yeah. I, I think they might not have won it. Yeah. It's, uh, it, I think Mellon is making a difference. He really is. I mean, even even things like just just pick on one player, right? Peter Pollock, mm-hmm. who has lost. He's he would admit this. He's he's, he's lost weight. Um, he's, he, he looks physically different and not not quite Adele kind of scale, but he's still you know he's maybe a better singer than her, I don't know. But he, he, he does look he does look he does I like look these little, I like these little cultural references you throw in every now and again. He, he does he has he has he has worked drastically on his on his on his fitness and it and it's making a difference. Look at how look at his performances taking the goal like that again like Harks. He looks like a feature of the team now. You would you would be surprised if their names weren't on the team sheet. Whereas before it could be in and out for them, but now they're, they're really they're really look, looking like fixtures. So uh, listen, you've got to when the proof's there, you need to give the manager uh, the credit for it. And and it's early as as you say, and they've got Celtic coming up, and they did lose to Hibs, but he, he, he's 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 making he's making that just that wee bit of difference to the team. I think the confidence, etc., and uh, how individuals are performing 
Yeah, I thought you were speaking about Dale McInnes there for a wee while. He's <laughs> got enough on his plate without you piling on and criticising his <laughs> singing for crying out loud. Anyway, <laughs> dearie me. Well, before we before we uh, move on to the the next game that for that United have got, thought it was. Uh, I'm sure Tony Ashgar would have been would have had a, be a very interested observer on the uh, the Lyndon Dykes transfer fee going down to uh, QPR, two million pounds. Now, Jim, where does that? How does that affect? positively or negatively, what United might look to get for, for Lawrence Shanklin should they sell him in this transfer well, window. I mean, obviously, Dykes has done it at the top flight, so mm-hmm. we'll have to say that, and they're, and they're yeah. different types of players, but how do you see that one? Well, I mean, I think it's a very interesting one, and I have to say right off bat, I, I like Dykes, another player, every time I saw him, I liked, I know a lot of kind of people were, were uncertain, I liked him, tall, rangy, athletic, he'll do well in the English game, I think, strong physically, Um an eye for goal, but much more importantly from you know a United perspective, I think is the fee two million quid. I mean two million quid, and I mean you know we, we, we you know we've been debating in this movable feast that is the COVID nineteen situation, Eric, how it would affect the game, and you know and we've all kind of I think we've all kind of you know wondered between oh it could be a disaster too, well it might not affect it that much. Um, at the moment in England, I know some of the smaller teams are struggling. One or two have almost kind of went into a business, but by and large at the top-ish level, mm-hmm. you know. Um, top level championship and there it it doesn't seem to have made a, a, a massive impact so you know they've got the money to spend now two million pound um, is a very decent fee um, you know for, for London Dykes now if depending on uh, you know when Shanklin comes back fit and all the rest of it if people are tempted in for them then I think it's fair to say, well, there's a starting point. Dundee United are Premiership side. He's playing in the Premiership. That's where we can start negotiating, guys. You know, Um, I mean, you you know, you obviously prefer a starting point and yeah, a starting point upwards. You know, a starting point upwards. Absolutely. You know, Um, the you know there's the bar. Let's get above that threshold now as well. It's an intriguing one, of course, with the. Um, you know the, the the signing that Hibs have made. You know <laughs> the striker who kind of went, you know, yeah, yeah. to Toby Shanklin for much of the season. You kind of wonder there what might happen. Albeit he's just gone to to Hibs from a Shanklin perspective. Um, I think that there's an indicator of the kind of money that is available and that English clubs are prepared to pay. Yeah. Um, and and to be honest with you, I think if United were getting a bid for two million quid for Shanklin, given what's happened the last few weeks, it might be quite hard to resist. Yeah. Ian, you you on similar lines? Yeah, it's, it's ironic that a good start to the season kind of makes it easier to think about uh, Shanklin going. Yeah, because if the if the you know if the results had been gone against him um, more markedly, then you would be saying, well, they couldn't afford to to let go of him. But I think I think with, with, with Lawrence as well, comparing him to London Dykes, you've got to remember that that Shankland is a, is a full Scotland international and, and yeah, in the current yeah, squad it has to be said yeah, you know in, in the current squad so that that adds to your value as well I was like Jim I mean I was I was looking at the market wondering how it's going to fall that one for Dykes tells me that at championship level you know you're not forest and, and that kind of thing it's going to be similarish yeah. uh, so I think I think that's what I agree I think I think United are Reasonably comfortable with and relaxed about the whole thing, and I think they, if they do get a bid north of uh, two million, then obviously the, they'll have to consider that. I would think they would probably take that. So it's it's one to watch. Um, he's obviously injured just now, um, and there has been scouts at games. Um, so it, it's one to watch. It's still ongoing. You wouldn't write it off, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we'll just see how it goes. But 
I think United are in a decent position as far as Shank goes. And, and, and the, the thing is, uh, Ian, I mean, you know, Queen's Park, right, aside actually, I've always liked over many years going way back to Stan Bowles and uh, Jerry Francis. You're going to say his name, you know, they're, they're, they're a decent-sized English ship, but they're not one of the giants. Of the, they're not no. even one of the giants of the kind of... the championship, no. The championship, you know, there are clubs in the championship that are much, much bigger mm-hmm. um, clubs now. Unless, I mean, I don't know, maybe someone's coming in with a, a serious wedge of money down, down their Loftus Road. But, I mean, realistically... Yeah, I don't think... Are, Things have changed, Jim. No, there are no. I mean, and there are clubs in that championship, Eric, who are big, big clubs. You know, who could probably afford With deeper to, pockets. Yeah, uh, yeah, deeper pockets, and, and go and go for a big bid. And of course, I mean, the, you know, as we get closer and closer to the start of the English season. Then people are looking. I mean, you know what United want for two. You know, it's twofold. They want Shankland back as quickly as possible. It's not very well seeing winning games without him, but he's a quality striker. You know, his, his goal record both at here and United it, it, it speaks for itself. He's a quality striker, and um, so they want him back in the team to be helping them win games. But they also want him back, um, putting him in the shop window. United will be a selling club, as is every club uh, practically in, in the world these days. You know, so. They want him back for two reasons: one, to be winning games, and two, if there is a, a bid coming in for him, to make sure that he's, you know, he's in the short window for as big a bid as possible. And that two million pound, I think, will have a lot of people, including probably Tony Asgar, um, sitting up and taking notice. Yes, well, I think uh, if he doesn't play on the, the next game, Ian, and they win this one without him, I think you could, <laughs> you could, you can, you could really start to say. <laughs> Do we need Lawrence Shanklin? When? What sort of chance do you give them at the weekend? Against Celtic. Well, I think the mood music from the from the club and the manager certainly is that he's he's just on the brink of a comeback. But I think, <laughs> to be frank, he's been on the brink of a comeback the last couple of games as well. So I, I don't know. I mean, I Mickey's, I Mickey's if, by the look, but looking outside, looking in, he's one of the managers that likes to keep his injury cards as uh, close I to his think, chest as he puts yes, it in. I yeah, think that would be throw fair a few curveballs, perhaps. Yes, I think I think that would be fair comment, and it's up to <laughs> us journalists to kind of read between the lines. Uh, uh, no, I I would give I would give him. Uh, I, I would say that he, he is he is uh, close to coming back. Hopefully against Celtic. I mean, what a card to play! It would boost United, wouldn't it? And enormously if 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 Shanklin suddenly is, is leading the line in a team that is looking good. And also out of just purely uh, journalistic interest as, as a as a as a writer uh, covering the game, you you would love to see how Mellon would, would use Shankland, you know? Uh-huh. I mean, it's, it, he hasn't really had a chance. He, he played against uh, St. Johnson, but he never played well, probably carrying that knock. So um, it would be interesting to see, and, and fingers crossed he does actually he does actually come into the team on Saturday. Uh, well, I mean, it's if you're looking at it again from a, from a financial point of view and from a Tony Asgard point of view, if, you know, if they want to get as much money as they can, it's maybe worth a wee gut, you know. If he if he plays against Celtic and scores a winner, you know, I mean, there you go. You know, you can you're you're adding you're adding on a few hundred grand, aren't you? Well, it's an intriguing one, this one, isn't it? I mean, you know, Celtic um, they got a lot of stick for Kilmarnock was a lot. I mean, they've only had two outs, yeah. haven't they? You know, I mean, they got a lot of stick. Julian in particular, the centre defence, we got absolute dogs abuse. You know, I mean, pals of mine that are Celtic fans just think he's he's absolutely soft centred. I mean, one one of the things that will intrigue me about this. Um, th- th- this battle is um, how the midfield goes. You know, uh, McGregor and Brown in the midfield against the United midfield. It's kind of functioning very well. I mean, um, you know, traditionally you would expect well Celtic will take the game. United they'll have more possession. I, mean, I think their possession was about two to one against Kilmarnock in that that game. And I mean, Edward up front is a is, is a you know uh, a really big big threat. We Forrest and Christie are both 
pacey players. We know all that. But, you know, I mean, th- th- this, I think, will be a great test, you know, n- not just in terms of whether Shankland is fit and, and, and whether he plays or not. Uh, it'll be a great test of United. I mean, you know, they've, they made a good start this season. Now they play the best side in Scotland by a, by a long way, um, who are just into their, you know, hardly into their kind of, and uh, in, in the season were uh, only a couple of games. Certainly not into their stride. That's not sure. into their stride by any manner of means. But that you know that that's not expected at Celtic. I mean that they have to get into their stride. They're expected just to kind of hit the ground running. So this is a fascinating one. It's an evening kickoff too, isn't it? It's a half five, six o'clock five, kickoff. Yeah. I think yeah, you know. So an absolutely fascinating. I think this will tell you loads. Um, uh, about pro- we've you know we've kind of it's been a bit of a loving so far, and that's fair enough. When look when managers and players do well, it's absolutely right and correct that, that, that they should you know get praised from that from that from the high heavens. I mean, and and what United have done so far has been worthy of that. This is their biggest test so far against a Celtic side that's got more individual talent than anyone else in Scotland, and I think we'll get a real good idea. Um, just how well United are set to perform, depending on what they do with this one. Uh, and if Shanklin was in, I mean, to me, you know, a, a fit Shanklin would always be in the side because he carries a goal threat that nobody else does. I mean, there's not many in Scottish football carry a goal threat like he does. So you would hope, for the two reasons we've outlined, we'd hope that he, he was fit. And it would, of course, it'd be great to see him stepping up mm-hmm. to this level because that's where he wants to be. He wants to be playing at the highest level. So it'd be great to see him up against the defence, you know, featuring Julian and Ayer um, in the middle, because I think he could score goals against them. I would say, Ian, as well, just from a, a, a broad brush point of view, that you could you could certainly envisage United under Mickey Mellon doing a similar type job to Kilmar- that Kilmarnock did against Celtic, couldn't you? Because yeah. organisation and structure of his team has, has been... Have been has been key so far, hasn't it? But, you yeah, know, you yeah. think about the Motherwell game where you know all the comments from Stephen Robinson and the players were about how frustrated they were, didn't get enough shots away, you know, mm-hmm. just didn't really didn't work. Yeah. The United goalie anywhere near enough. You could you could see them having this. I mean, and the Hibs game as well. It, you know, it was it was looking good for a draw for for a while. You know, it was it was the type of game. All right, wasn't great to watch from the neutral, but from a manager's point of view. Hibs were, were struggling to pick holes in, in United's defence. That's right. I think that, I think that was almost forgotten from the Hibs game because of you know, the controversy over the goal, etc. But United actually snuffed out a lot of the threat from a Hibs team that had been free-flowing mm-hmm. uh, before mm-hmm. that. Um, they, they did it particularly well in the midfield. So, um, Mellon as well, you've got this dynamic, uh, the, the, the COVID-19 dynamic with no home fans, that there's no pressure on him really to to go out and take the game to Celtic. And I think he'll play as he's done against the more challenging size, you would say, probably Hibs. Um, and he'll, he'll play that type of game again. And hopefully with Shankland up front to, to maybe take a chance at the get. So there's 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 uh, we can expect Mellon to approach it as he's done before, keep it tight, but have his midfield not giving Celtic any time on the ball. Now, what you get with Celtic, which you don't get with other teams, is that often they just dictate how the game goes anyway, yeah, and it doesn't yeah, yeah. matter how your tactics are against them. So we'll see, but that'll depend on how good Celtic play. And uh, they've they've obviously got, they've obviously had a <laughs> challenging start to the season, <laughs> but they, they all have been boosted as well by that uh, that Livingston uh, Rangers result. Rangers just not taking the chance to to make ground on them again. Agreed. Well, the second, the other big result for us at the weekend was St. Johnson at Kilmarnock. That was the game I was covering, and it was a. Even at the start of the game, you would say, "Oh, this is a this is a tough venue, plastic pitch, etc., etc." Kilmarnock started reasonably well as well with a couple of draws. You know, a, a team that you know 
still had its familiar strengths from previous seasons. And Saints go a goal behind as well. If ever, the, if ever there was a red card that changed the game, though, uh, to be fair to St Johnson, I think they were they were the better team. They, they, they weren't great in the first half, but they were the better team at the start of the second half before they lost a, a poor goal. But then two minutes after, after Kelly take the lead, uh, Ross Millen, you know, makes a terrible decision to go diving in on on Scott Tanzer, gets his red card, and the big credit for St Johnson is the the way they played that last half hour with the extra man and there was, it was it was patient football it wasn't you know just let's get it in the box as quick as possible they plugged and plugged and plugged and eventually eventually they got their their equalizer looked as if it was going to pan out into a 1-1 but you know Michael O'Halloran is alive to the situation Stuart Finlay I was right watching right across it he didn't look he plays a blind back pass I know Haaland does does very very well and Jim it was a reminder for everybody, for you know, I'm not saying I forgot as well, but you know, for for myself included, just what a top level player Michael Hallen was, not that long ago, and probably still could be. You know, he's 29 year old, and he's he's it, it was it was a good it was a good display up until that point, but the goal takes it to takes it to another level and should take him to another level again, Jim. I I, I think so, Eric. I mean, I, I read your piece in the Courier this morning, your good kind of long very analytic good, piece, and I have to say, the risk of blowing smoke up your backside, Mister Nicholson, it was very good. And we like this, very, very detailed. I like it, you know. No, it was very good, and I think you made a lot of really good points. Now. I mean, I think. Well, Halloran, um, it is very easy, I think. I mean, I'm a, I'm a great lover of pace in the game. I think pace takes you to places where some bluntly slower players can't take you. And he has pace. He's got pace to burn them in respect. But quite often you can look at a pacey player and, and, and forget that there's more to the game, that there's a game intelligence, there's a smartness, there's a acuteness. And I think he exhibited all of that at the goal. You know, the way he hung, mm-hmm. the way he made his run. I mean, I saw his quote that, he was he, he was out with the peripheral vision and he was all just of those things, hide, basically absolutely <laughs> all of those things are important and I mean yeah, there have been great players and fine players that have got loads of pace that, that you know that, that simply use that they're kind of champing at the bit they're like a greyhound and and the traps uh, set to go off but it's not always enough you've got to read it for starters you've got to read it for the offside but the way he took it you know around the keeper I, I did think the keeper was going to wipe him out I have to say yeah I think he, he did took, as well the, you know yeah. I, the way he took it around him and slipped it away. It was it was a, a really really fine goal, particularly at that late stage of the game. I mean, you know, I know people say things like they stole it and all the rest of it. The game lasts ninety minutes plus, um, so there's no stealing involved in it. It was a really really good win, you know. For uh, you know, for I mean, they went down. It was just on the hour mark, wasn't it? They, they, they went behind, you yeah, know. So yeah. still time there, but you know, I mean, a, a good performance. Already. I mean, in fact. You know, increasingly as I age, Eric, I'm getting more and more interested in things that didn't bother me that much before. <laughs> and I'm starting to pay a lot more attention to things like, you know, uh, the statistical uh, uh, element of the game. And I mean, Saints, Saints had the better possession. I think they were 55 to 45, you know, um, and run about give, give or take 71% pass accuracy. So that and the, the number of passes they made and all the rest of it were, were, were better than Kilmarnock. But I think, you know, when you've got a guy like a Hallard and probably still smarting at his stupidity yeah. in the turn of this game which came from frustration and all that we know that you know because um, he, he, you know and I don't like this expression but he's not that kind of player we know that you know so he, you know he, he he could have almost cost his team that day as it was the emergency of a point but he's an intelligent player he's a smart player he's 29 now so he's not a boy anymore you know mm-hmm. he, he actually should be 
at the very peak of his powers. I think, kind of, you know, for players in terms of experience and, you know, a, a, a knowledge and nous of the game, there's probably a spell maybe between 28 and 31, 32, where you should be, I think, at the absolute peak of your, your footballing powers. Um, and he was, I mean, he was a smashing player first time round. You know, his, his experiences when he left, um, you know, I, I think diminish you mentally. But he's coming back, and I think that you know that that goal, I think, the all-round general performance proves to me that, that you know his ability is still there in spades. I think Ian, I think maybe we can never get into the the head of 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 anybody, but you know, footballers that go to one of the old firm teams and it, and the, the the experience turns out to be anything but what they'd hoped for. You know, he was a long-term contract. You know, Mark Warburton signed him, I think, probably off the back of that. That magnificent, oh, and it wasn't just that magnificent performance he had at Ibrox, but you know that would have probably convinced him. And then you know he's, I think he's wondered out loud before. You know, did did they actually did did they properly do the homework on the type of player I am? But for what you know, for whatever reason, it didn't work. But it could be a you know, it's maybe just taken him a, a bit longer than you would have hoped for to to really get back to believing himself again. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. The key thing is that he's still thinks that he's uh, he's still got self-confidence, self-belief in himself as a player. And I think it, it might needed it might have needed some time to, to rebuild that. But you mentioned that, uh, I think it was Jim mentioned that, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a clever player. I might have been you, Eric. And I, I think that's absolutely clear in a, even going for that that ball because he's, he's often running almost as if the pass back Almost uh, when the the pass back is first yeah. is first made. So how many other players would have actually anticipated that? I don't, I don't think there would have been that many. But I also have to say, I mean, devil's advocate here, but <laughs> Kilmarnock's defending at, at both goals was absolutely appalling. Almost as uh, not quite Saints as bad. Def- Saints defending wasn't too clever for them. <laughs> that really was. I we've, we've not mentioned that. I was going to say almost as bad as as Manchester United's goal against Seville, the, the second goal. But you none, know, of, none some, of the Kelly centres halves cost eighty million quid. <laughs> No, it was incredibly, incredibly bad defending almost across the board at the weekend. It was, it was amazing. So yeah, I mean, Kelly, Kelly shot themselves, but it, it was, it was a player. That goal was caused, created by a player thinking ahead of uh, the rest of them and, and nipping in there. And, and fabulous. It's a, it's a great human story that somebody that, that was sent off in, the, in these circumstances oh, in the first a, game. It's a great journalist back. story as well. Isn't yeah, it? I mean, it's, it's the old sinner, you know, the old cliche, you know, sinner turns. Turned saint kind of thing, but it's very true in his case. And uh, what a win for Saint! I mean, Saint Johnston have had this difficult through, through no fault of their own. It has to be said they've had a challenging start to the season as well off the field. And uh, to go down to to Rugby Park to to beat a team that had just played so well against Celtic is is fantastic. Well, here's a, a bit. Of, it didn't really get you know. It didn't get talked about because it was you know it was let's face it it was it was Stuart it was Stuart Finlay's assist, but. The young lad that came off the bench, John Robertson, played a very smart ball to turn the, you know, the time was running out to turn the the Kelly defence and put them down that touchline. He's a player that, that that's, I know you you've not yet seen him, Jim, in the flesh, but he's a player that there's that there's high hopes. I know that he was put out on loan to yeah. Cove, and for whatever reason, it didn't work up there. But you know, you'll you'll have, you'll speak to you speak to Big Roddy Grant when you're up in McDermott. Roddy, Roddy talks about him as one of the best finishers he's ever seen, and you know Roddy's seen a few strikers. He was and a, a very good striker himself. I'm sure Roddy won't mind me, me saying that he's you know he's he's always seen real talent in this boy, and 
We've yet to see what he's like in the penalty box. He's, he's a young guy, but you know he could be one to keep an eye on for this season. And you know it'll be it'll be it'll be good when we can, when more of us can see him, you know, in the flesh, sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I have heard good things about him, uh, Eric. But you know, you always want to see a player kind of three, four, five times before you make your mind up. Although I have to say, I mean, I've always been a believer that you can tell a player within It's just five movement, minutes. isn't it, Jim? It's uh, yeah, movement, yeah, uh, the way he, he carries himself. He's, that's he, right, he, he, absolutely. You know, he, he looks like instantly as if, mm. I, f- I think I belong here, you know? Yeah, the, you know, I always think you, you, tell a, you tell a player his first touch, the way he shapes the body, the way he looks, the, the, the hunger. The, the, other things, the other things as to whether he makes it or not are, are different entirely. That's kind of mentality, staying power, you know, hard graft over a period of time. There are plenty of guys that have had loads of ability that haven't, uh, haven't prospered and there are plenty of guys. I remember Dave Bowman uh, at Tannadice once saying to me that there were three or four guys at the boys club he'd played with that, that he reckoned were better players than him but they didn't have all of the attributes that stacked up. It's, it, there's more to life than just, you know, just the, the innate ability, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the greatest in the world like the Messi's and the Ronaldo's have got great ability, but they've got enormous appetite. They've got enormous powers of grafting. They work hard. They stay behind after training. All of those things. One of the things that intrigues me, you know, we're talking now about United. I mean, looking at United with the, the five players that were out, plus the, you know, the nine on the bench, suddenly at United you've got, a, a, you know, a, a fight for every position. You've got a kind of a full, big, big squad. I mean, I was intrigued to see that Saints actually only lined up. I think they were too short of what Kelly had on the, the bench. bench. They, they, were on, they were in midweek against Rangers as well, yeah, Jim. That, that, that's so right. They, they, so had fi- they had five out on Saturday and five five senior pros that you would expect at least four to, of them to probably start. To, to, uh, that's, that's no, that, that's right. But I mean, the, the the thing is here. Looking at you know, looking at Saints. I mean, it's the same thing. You've got you know, you've got a new manager on at Saints just as you have at United. There has never been a better opportunity for young guys like Robertson to grab their chance in training. You know, uh, to to, to spark, to show the right attitude, uh, and to get the chance, and and you know, and, and very very quickly, because the great thing about football is football is all, football is about merit. You know, by and large, there are not many managers. Managers will have a favourite, but they will not play them if they're having stinkers. You know, <laughs> because their jobs are on the line. So you've you've really got to go. You might not. That's how very often there are managers that don't get on with players, but they'll play them week in week out because they know what they get, whether it's consistency, whether it's a flash of brilliance, um, any given thing, you know, but they get performance. So the chance is there now for a young Robertson to say, well, actually, you know what? I can play here. I can score goals. I can, can you know, I, I can do. And, and, and there was there was the classic opportunity on Saturday taken, uh, presented to him uh, uh, and taken, you know. So uh, th- th- that's the great thing about football. You get the chance, you take it. And immediately, you you know, your manager has already had a, a sufficient confidence to mm-hmm. give you a place on the bench, throw you on, and, and you stamp your, your mark on it, and you make him think long and hard about whether you're worth that place for the next week. Ian Saints have now got, you know, well, they had three three away games with the, the Aberdeen call-off, three away games to start off now. They've got three home games coming up. Real opportunity for them to turn a, I think I phrased it, as a decent start into a very good one. Yeah, Aberdeen, Hibs, and St. Martin in a row now. Yeah, we've got this. We've got this now famous or infamous uh, yes. Saints v. Aberdeen game. It'll be absolutely fascinating, won't it, to see how that goes? I mean, what, what, how, how is it going to be? I know. Let's um, speak. Let's speak about that one, and it's in, on its own. You know, I mean, Aberdeen. I mean, I've I've played this game though, and had a look. At, you know, even even if Derek McInnes wasn't playing all the ones who who are who are coming back this week from from their uh, their Covid ban, if you want to phrase it like that, he's not. We're not talking about kids there. You no. know, Aberdeen have got the third deepest squad in in the country, yeah. probably by a distance. And 
I'm expecting a couple of them to come back. So you will, well, quite what they're like, and you would expect them to be highly motivated, wouldn't you? Yeah, they will be highly motivated. Um, they'll they'll have been, you know, qu- quite rightly they got they got what's uh, got criticised publicly, almost humiliated, really, um, for for the for their for their behaviour, and 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 you know, we all know that the, that the there was mea culpas and. Uh, they absolutely deserved it. So, but I think I think it'll be interesting from a football point of view to see what Derek McInnes does because I I, I kind of agree with you. He might bring one or two back, but I don't think that there won't be wholesale return of these guys. It'll be a kind of in in the middle. So, um, but I, Saints Saints should still fancy it. I mean, what are going in on the back of a, a fabulous uh, performance and result down at down at Rugby Park? You know, there must be favourites. I would, I would think strong favourites for this. Although you're right to say that Aberdeen, any Aberdeen team, uh, will be a challenge, and uh, uh, it's absolutely fascinating. I think, and it'll be it'll be one that the neutrals will be certainly checking on. And, oh, folk and will be watching into. it for for yeah, a lot of yeah, reasons. I think on Thursday, <laughs> Thursday night, Jim. Um, I mean, I guess whose whose motivation is highest? I mean, you know, Saints were inconvenienced by what Aberdeen did. You know, you, you, you can you can kind of you can kind of predict both team talks can't you well you know, I, I mean I, I'm a great fan and student of the psychology of the, of, of the game Eric and, and one of the things that strikes me here is you go into a game with Saints with three games already under their belt sitting with four points great Aberdeen only played the once not a point you know just, just lingering at the back of your mind you're thinking we'll lose this you know, we've played two, we've not got a point. St. Johnson are sitting on seven already. Um, there, uh, might, you know, there might be bands coming I, 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 the, I, I, down I, the track, I, you might, know. You know, ah, exactly. Who knows what's coming on the track? And, and, and more importantly, you know, potentially uh, come the Saturday, depending on what happens then, you could be able to look at a Ross County or a Dundee United on 10 points or a, a Hibs on 13 points. And all of a sudden you've got this psychological, it's all very well saying games in hand and all the rest of it, but, you know, games in hand are not points in the bag. Uh, and I just think there, there's a big, big element here um, of psychology at play, depending on how Derek and, and Tony Dock have got them fired up. How, how kind of, you know, how recalcitrant Aberdeen are coming at the face this one? Is there any element in theirs, or just how fired up they are to make amends, you know, and, and show, you know, that you know the the the, the 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 mistakes that were made are now in the past and they intend to kind of fire on. I mean, they do. They, you know, on the face of it they will be the third best squad in the league. Um, uh, and by and large, you know, uh, they, they, they should, you know, they, they should be more, they should be a match at least for St. Johnson. Let's be blunt. I mean, Aberdeen's budget by comparison to St. Johnson's is probably what, threefold or something like that, the, the wage budget. Um, but football doesn't always, uh, doesn't always work like that, you know. So I think this is a fascinating game, uh, I, I think. And, and St. Johnson must, uh, must be pretty, pretty confident that it'll take something out of it. Well, before we wrap things up, listen, it's, it's, it's maybe a podcast all on its own, but that we should probably touch on it. You know, obviously there was, you know, the heart situation where they're, they're not allowed to train anymore. I mean, are, are you, start with you, Jim, are you starting to get a, a creeping feeling that getting the lower leagues back is going to be far more problematic than than we maybe thought when, when they agreed this October restart? Because... I'm, I just think, you know, with all with all that's happened with Celtic and Aberdeen and the, the threat of a red card and all the rest of it, how do you get how do you get a part time footballer who say gets tested in midweek and then gets tested again at a weekend? Now somebody could correct me if that's if that's how it works. But in between times, 
I'll be out and and you know working as a joiner or working yeah. as a plumber and doing mm-hmm. whatnot. I mean, how how on earth is this going to work? I mean, I, I just I'm I'm struggling to see how how we're going to get the the game back in the lower leagues. Well, I mean, you know, we, we we've seen how difficult it is with <clears throat> with Aberdeen. Um, you know, uh, the Celtic situation, ball and goal, breaking the bubble, or whatever. whatever the phrase breaking the bubble, be, you, know? you know. I mean, although I, I mean, I was pretty critical of these guys, my courier called the other week, but I had some sympathy as well. You know, I mean, you know, there are times we're all saying, "What can we do? You're allowed to do this. You're allowed to do that." And and sometimes it doesn't matter, kind of, how much you've been told by people or listening to the briefings or whatever. You, yeah, you, yeah, you're yeah. not entirely sure of certain things. Um, but but look, so looking at this, I mean, that, that's within the confines of a Premier League club, which is full time uh-huh. and run and have all sorts of staff. You know. Part-time clubs are under much, much more pressure that way, you know, and, and you know the, the part-time players are under much more pressure. I mean, the, the, their day job is the most important thing for them, um, uh, you know, in day-to-day life like at Olympic because that's what pays the mortgage, you know. Um, so the, the potential for things going sideways strikes me as, as pretty strong. The other thing that strikes me is I'm conscious that, you know, we're, we're chewing the fat on the podcast weekly, and Dundee, you know, we're all local journalists. Dundee's kind of slipping away into the background there. You know, you're all, mm-hmm. you're almost thinking, you know, what's happening at Dens? Because you know, out of sight, out of mind for for the, the games outside of the Premiership at the moment. You know, I mean, you kind of feel that great old clubs like I mean, Hearts are in the news, but for the wrong reasons. You know, but Hearts, Dundee, and, and other clubs like that, just kind of almost, you know, it's almost like they don't exist at the moment uh, in terms of football because the Premiership are playing football and the rest are not. That's before you hit the potential problems of what happens if there is a player who tests positive for it and the whole thing comes crashing to to a halt. So, I mean, only time will tell, but I mean, it, it is a serious worry, I think. I mean, it becomes, it, it's, I think it was the Hearts, it was the Hearts uh, trainer thing that brought it back into, yeah. into the sort of, into our thoughts, you know, but are you worried, Ian? Well, coming at it, one thing that struck me about the whole Hearts thing is coming at it from a Dundee angle, as as we, we tend to do on on this podcast. You know, you're looking, you're looking from it from a Dundee FC United St Johnston angle. The I was I was actually worried about Hearts having so much training. Yeah, I, I mean Dundee. David had probably what five six weeks before Dundee even oh, got I mean, back. Now, I mean, it would have been a competitive advantage, there, it? wouldn't it? Let's face yeah, it. of course, and, and they're playing they're playing each another in the first game. So I understand all the arguments, and, and look, you've got you've got sympathy for Hearts, but Hearts are Hearts are are being hit by this, and we've got the whole Hull City players at Orium, mm. and it, it just looks like a like a, like a farce. But looking at it from Den, you know, if you're sitting in Dens, you see Hearts have trained for a month and a bit yeah. before we've even come back. How's that? That that would never happen any other year, and that that didn't seem kind of fair on them it's not it's not that you should stop parts in any way but there's this teams are starting at different times and we're all over the place there we've got hearts because they can afford it they're getting the testing done they've got the facilities at Orium and uh, they're in the same league as uh, as as etc and and that's the that's the problem how how do you kind of marry the two the, you know these these types of clubs together these part-time clubs right. and giants like hearts it, it's it's almost impossible well, maybe it's maybe it's our growth you yeah, know we'll have well, to worry about you know could it end up just being a full-time league you know no, and, it's, you know, it, well. The huge thing comes down to the cost of the testing, doesn't it? That's when you speak to to Orly, to, to, to chairman in the championship and below. It's the cost of the testing, and how do the without without any fans coming in or without especially without any hospitality money, how how do you pay for that? 
it's it's a huge difficulty, and it's kind of been Jim's right. It's been kicked kind of down the road a wee bit. We're, we're we're not looking at October yet, but as soon as we go closer, we get to that. There's all these com, uh, complications going to come in. Because I, I thought Jim, this will be the last last thing we'll talk about. I th- I think they thought we'd be closer to getting fans back at this stage than we actually are. You know. And well, listen, October is still a fair way away, I suppose. Oh. But I think the part-time teams and you know the SPFL thought they're going to get we're going to get fans in in October, and we can come back on that basis. Yeah, and and when when we were thinking at that stage, Eric, of getting fans in back in October, we were of course thinking of reduced capacities. You know, which um, which wouldn't affect uh, an Alloa and an Arbroath so no, much. That, you know, so that, they, that's they right. Coped with it fine. You know, <clears throat> that, that's right. Different kettle of fish. Maybe the likes of you know a, a Dens or a Tyne Castle or something like that. It's slightly different, anyhow. Um, but um, now. Now, who knows is, is the answer because we, we, we've seen with this dreadful situation that it's a movable feast. You know, I mean, we, you know, we, we've had scientists that don't actually agree with each other on many things, politicians that don't agree with each other on many things. The nature of events changes by the day. And I've got some sympathy with with the football authorities, not much, but we've got some sympathy for them in this situation. But, the, you know, I mean, what happens if we can't get the fans back in the financial pressures on clubs in the championship will grow and grow and grow. I mean, hearts are not immune. They've had this this kind of philanthropist, I think, who's been putting money into the Scottish game, but also into them, the fellow Anderson and, and fair play to him, you know, more power to his elbow. But there are still many unanswered questions. You know, you've seen it like likes of Dens and the Hearts guys have taken wage deferrals and wage cuts and all the rest of it. If we end up in a situation where you know, you kind of get the fans back in. And it's got an impact on other things too. I mean, Dundee, you know, United were always going to sell more season tickets than Dundee by dint of the fact that they're either in the Premiership, B, you know, the, the season was starting earlier and all the rest of it. But Dundee have only sold 2,000 season tickets and, or, or they had the last we looked, I think, over a week ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you would kind of have to hope that, you know, once play was kind of closer to starting, that, you know, there was a substantial number added on to that because the financial implications are at, at Dens are, are pretty brutal. You know, I mean, you'd be hoping for another thousand on top of that, paying their, their you know, their 250 or their 300 quid um, or, or whatever. So there are all sorts of potential problems still lying down the line, none of which we have an answer to. Well, maybe we'll have an answer next week, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably not. Probably not. Well, cheers, guys, again. That's good stuff and thank you very much for listening again back next week thank you if you like the podcast we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it or even better leave a review or a simple rating on itunes or wherever you find your podcasts all that really helps people to find talking football and that means a lot to us don't forget too to pick up your copy of the courier monday to saturday or go to thecourier.co.uk slash subscribe to find out how to get our award-winning sport, business and local journalism across Tayside and Fife in the way that's right for you. The Courier. Local matters.